The market doesn't joke around, so why would you? Get serious. Choose Tasty Trade. Tasty Trade gives you the tools you need to make smarter moves. Dig into data with advanced charting, track profit accurately with order chain trackers, see risk clearly with curve analysis, and trade with low-capped commissions, stocks, options, futures, and more. All on one platform. No wonder serious traders choose Tasty Trade. Join the club, genius. Tasty Trading is a registered broker-dealer and member of FINRA and SIPC. I'm Brian Sullivan, and you're listening to CNBC's Worldwide Exchange. Our show airs live weekdays at 5 a.m. Eastern. Listen in. It is 5 a.m. on Wall Street. Here's your top five at five after a nice pop Tuesday. Where do stocks go from here? We dig into what may be the next market mover. President Biden delivering his State of the Union. From an odd comment about oil, the social media companies will lay out the key investor takeaways. Another tech name you know handing out pink slips as the layoff ripple starts looking more like a wave. Zoom, we take a look back at the boom and bust of what was once the hottest stock on Wall Street. It is your morning, RBI. Chamberlain, Abdul-Jabbar, and now James. Nearly 40 years later, the NBA has a new all-time scoring king. It is Wednesday, February 8th. This is Worldwide Exchange. Well, good morning, good afternoon, or good evening, and welcome from wherever in the world that you may be watching. Good morning. I'm Brian Sullivan. All right, let's jump right in here with the U.S. stock futures. They are slightly lower right now, but not a lot to write home about. They're down a couple of points. Dow futures off, what, 33, NASDAQ off 16. Now, until about 2.30 yesterday afternoon, Eastern Time, we could have said that Tuesday was a pretty boring day for stocks. But that changed as buyers came in big time, and the Nasdaq ended up popping nearly 2%. The Dow broke a three-day losing streak. I'll be honest, I'm not exactly sure why the buyers came in. Markets did not move on Jay Powell's interview around noon. Who knows? Insert reason here. But either way, stocks did move. Now, bond yields, they also rose as bonds sold off a bit. The 10-year yield right now at 3.65%. Oil and natural gas also rose Tuesday. And both right now are slightly higher, with oil ticking back above 78 a barrel. President Biden, if you missed the speech last night, capitulating a bit, saying that we will need oil, quote, for at least another decade. We'll get more into that comment a bit later on in the show. And in crypto, which has been the hottest asset class this year, Bitcoin and Ether are in the green right now, but only so fractionally. Bitcoin at 23, right around mid-23s. All right. You got a busy morning shaping up in Europe as well. Let's get some of the trade and the key headlines with Arabil Gumede, who's in our London newsroom. Good morning. Good morning, Brian. Yep. So let's take a quick look at the market out in Europe, then definitely a whole host of green. And it may not necessarily be the record-breaking territory that LeBron James reached earlier today, but certainly what you are seeing is a record-breaking territory move for the FTSE 100 on the UK. That's three-quarters of a percent to the good. A lot of earnings news certainly uh, playing its part into this market picture. But so, too, were the Fed's comments yesterday then coming through uh, from Jerome Powell. So helping the market go up, so, too, were the technology stocks. But also 
European banks, right? The European Central Bank says it has found that some European banks have not set enough money aside in order to deal with the bad loans and were bad at recognizing that problem. Now, in its annual review of the sector, the Central Bank said it would then focus on bad loans for this year. Now, I did speak as well about earnings news. Maersk posting just over $6.5 billion in EBITDA for the fourth quarter on $17.8 billion revenue. That is, however, below analyst expectations for both. The shipping group also forecasts 2023 profits well below that 2022 level. Total Energy is also posting record full-year net profit of $36 billion. The French energy giant proposed a dividend of €2.81 per share. That is actually up 2% compared to a year before. Now, news that also just broke before we came on air. Ukrainian President Vladimir Zelensky is set to visit the UK today for the first time since Russia invaded Ukraine almost a year ago. He will meet with British Prime Minister Rishi Sunak and address Parliament after Downing Street announced that it would accelerate training and military equipment for Ukraine. Brian, that's the news from Europe. I really appreciate it. See you soon. Thank you. All right. Meantime, let's get some of this morning's top corporate stories stateside, including more layoffs in big tech and the latest turn in Bed Bath & Beyond stock drama. Pippa Stevens here with those. Pippa, good morning. Good morning, Brian. Well, eBay is laying off 4% of its global workforce or about 500 employees as it looks to reduce costs, focus on growth and navigate what it calls ongoing economic headwinds. The move comes the same day Zoom Video announced it is slashing 15% of its own global workforce. Sources tell CNBC Microsoft plans to release software to other large companies to help them create their own AI chatbots, with Microsoft's Azure being the backbone of any new technology. This comes on the heels of its chat GPT Bing unveil yesterday. Speaking with CNBC yesterday, CEO Satya Nadella calling it a paradigm shift for the industry. To me, these paradigm shifts or platform shifts are a great opportunity uh, for us to innovate. Uh, The first thing that is a priority for me is not about dethroning anybody. It's more a priority for us to say, how can we rethink uh, what search was meant to be in the first place? In fact, Google's success in the initial days came by reimagining what can be done in search. And I think the AI... Uh, era that we're entering gets us to think about it. And we are watching shares of Bed Bath & Beyond again today after the stock slid nearly 50% yesterday following that 11th hour financing deal. The stock continues to be the number one mentioned ticker on Reddit's Wall Street bets. Shares are up about 4% this morning. Brian, we talk about this company daily at this point. 4% is like the smallest move I think Pippa the stock has seen in weeks. I mean, it's it's almost like it's 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 peanuts in a bowl or or a bath or a beyond or something. Whatever, (laughs) Pippa Stevens. Thank you very much. We'll see you soon. Appreciate that. Wow, what a drama around the New Jersey, by the way, based retailer Bed Bath and Beyond. All right, now to President to Washington and President Biden's State of the Union address last night using the speech to tout the strength of America and its economy. The president also renewing his calls for taxing billionaires, more targeting stock buybacks, and giving more power to blue-collar workers. NBC's Bree Jackson joining us now from D.C. with a wrap-up. Bree, good morning. 
Good morning, Brian. Yeah, during his State of the Union speech last night, President Biden urged Congress to work together and finish the job on several domestic issues like police reform. Meanwhile, during the Republican response, uh, Republican uh, Governor of Arkansas Sarah Huckabee Sanders blasted Democrats' policies and called President Biden unfit to serve. The president of the United States. President Biden laying out a story of America's resilience during his second State of the Union address. Two years ago, democracy faced its greatest threats in the Civil War. And today, though bruised, our democracy remains unbowed and unbroken. Counting accomplishments since he took office. 12 million new jobs. More jobs created in two years than any president's created in four years. Facing a divided Congress, the president was heckled at times. Still, he says he looks forward to working with Republicans. If we could work together the last Congress, there's no reason we can't work together and find consensus on important things in this Congress as well. And is urging Congress to pass police reform. We have to do better. Give law enforcement the real training they need. Hold them to higher standards. Help them succeed in keeping us safe. Arkansas Governor Sarah Huckabee Sanders blasting the Biden administration and the GOP response. You get crushed with high gas prices, empty grocery shelves. While calling on a new generation of leadership. President Biden and the Democrats have failed you, and it's time for a change. President Biden presenting his optimistic vision for the future while making the case for a possible re-election bid. And President Biden is taking his message on the road, traveling to Wisconsin today before heading to Florida on Thursday. Brian. All right. Hey, Bree, listen, I don't know if you were able to stay up. I did. I'm regretting it this morning just because you and I probably got about two hours of sleep. <laughs> All right. If you watched it, yes, there, there were moments of heckling, but there were also moments that Republicans did back the president. I mean, stood up and cheered. There was some bipartisanship on display last night. Yeah, we did see that, in particular when you look at uh, Kevin McCarthy, the House Speaker, who was sitting behind uh, President Biden during that speech. He applauded President Biden roughly 40 times uh, and stood up for a standing ovation nearly 16 times. So uh, we did see some moments of bipartisanship uh, during last night's speech. The question is, does that spill over into what happens here on Capitol Hill? That's what the president is calling for, and that's what we have to see moving forward. I have a feeling we will be analyzing this all day long. Bree Jackson in D.C., also sleep deprived, but we appreciate it, Bree. <laughs> have a good day. Thank you very much. they got to start these speeches earlier. All right, when we come back, much more on the markets, wild moves, and some new names that might want to be on your buying radar. We'll talk about Jay Powell as well. Plus, are we going to need oil for just another decade or more? More on the president's State of the Union and later on, preparing an offer to, quote, blow the competition out of the water. What could be a record-breaking deal in sports. we got a lot more to do, and we're back right after this. Have you ever brought your magic to Walt Disney World like, hey, we came to play? Did you tip your tiara to a Creole princess or get goofy officially? When we come through, it's true magic. Because we came to play at Walt Disney World Resort. What does it mean to be rich? Is it having more stories to share or time to give? Is it being able to keep your loved ones close or travel somewhere far away? 
At Edward Jones, we believe the key to being rich is knowing what counts. Your dedicated financial advisor will take a comprehensive approach to your financial strategy to help support what truly matters to you. EdwardJones.com slash findyourrich. Edward Jones, member SIPC. All right, welcome back to Worldwide of Change. Stock markets and your money. Stocks rising on Tuesday and off to a good start to the year overall. The Fed chairman yesterday, in a bit of a soft interview, reiterating his take on inflation and interest rates. But thankfully for all of us, the Fed may finally be in the rearview mirror for us as we focus more on earnings and the economy going forward. Let's chat it up and get some ideas with Josh Wine. He is portfolio manager at Hennessy Funds. Josh, good to have you back on the show again. Appreciate you getting up early for us. Uh, I know we're not quite done with the Fed yet. But the bond market seems to be saying we're, we're probably probably done. I don't mean not with not another rate hike, but just markets really now aren't moving on, on Fed speech like they used to. What are you most focused on now going forward? Good morning, Brian. Yeah, I think that's right. And I, I think obviously the last few years beyond the pandemic has been talking about the Fed. And, and it's certainly interesting. I think the next Two years is more about earnings, and, and that's something that would be in stark contrast to focusing on, you know, are we going to do 75 basis points or 50 or 25? I think, you know, yesterday, I think more confirmation that we're almost out of this dark tunnel of rate hikes, you know, maybe two more hikes, and we can kind of focus on earnings. And and I think what's most interesting now is this new kind of competition for capital, you know, a two-year above four, and companies are scrambling to put their houses in order and, you know, you know, think about earnings more than more than hype. Have you been happy with the earnings and the guidance that you have seen overall? Well, it's not about being happy or not. I think it's expected. You know, we're seeing margin compression. We're seeing earnings declines, you know, kind of across not across the board, but, you know, in the aggregate, we're going to see earnings declines uh, with some revenue growth. Uh, but I think what's interesting is we're seeing, you know, we saw it this morning with eBay and recently with Dell, is companies are cutting jobs. I think there's this acknowledgement that, that you know, when, when rates were below 1%, you could kind of do whatever you wanted. And, and you know, as long as you were optimistic enough, people were going were gonna to bid it higher. Now you actually have to do the work. You have to, you know, deliver earnings. You have to be, you know, in the words of Facebook, you know, efficiency is going to be the theme and it should always be the theme. But I think when rates are creeping higher and people are starting to look at a 60, 40 portfolio and that 40 all of a sudden is a little more interesting, uh, you know, with a two year and a 10 year kind of, you know, in the four range, you know, I think we're going to see the results yeah. of that. So, you know, I think it's it's all very interesting and and leads us to a, a better place ultimately. And you look for companies, you screen companies as a fund manager, you look for for forward earnings that may be undervaluing specific companies. You found two, you brought two names for us. Both are interesting. They're not ones we talk about very much on CNBC. Commercial Metals and Sunoco Products. Sunoco, the name we know, but this is a bit of a different type of story. What about each one of these companies, Josh, do you like? Sure, yeah. So these are names in our Hennessy Cornerstone Midcap 30 Fund. And we're looking at earnings growth, uh, valuation, and stock price momentum. You know, commercial metals, uh, you know, a provider of rebar. So something very kind of, you know, foundational, no pun intended, to, uh, to the economy. Uh, you know, recycle scrap metal, uh, trades at about eight times forward earnings. 
And it's a name that, you know, as you mentioned, we, no one talks about. It's admittedly, you know, pretty boring. But, you know, this boring company is hitting all time highs, you know, pretty much as we speak. So it, it's it's interesting. You know, I always say, you know, investing doesn't have to be exciting. And, and so this would fall in that camp. You know, a lot of the names that peaked in 2021, you know, the FANG type stocks, you know, they're still well off their highs. And here we are with commercial metals, you know, hitting all time highs. And then Sunoco, you know, another kind of boring type name, but, you know, I'll take boring all day long. You know, they are a manufacturer of commercial uh, or consumer and industrial packaging, you know, uh, 11 times forward earnings, uh, very strong free cash flow generation. You know, I think with both names, you don't have to worry about foundational shifts in, you know, AI or anything that, you know, is yeah. become, uh, <laughs> you know, gurgur in the last few days. You know, we, there's no chat GPT displacement or or conversation around names like this. Yeah, yeah I, I love that. I don't think chat GPT, unless they can start manufacturing, you know, products or, or steel, those industries right. may be all right. Commercial metals, Sunoco products. We love the new ideas, Josh. We love having you on. Thank you again. Thanks, Have a great day. You too. Oh, you're very welcome. All right, we've got a lot more to do. Still on deck, your big money movers and why Chipotle may need a new recipe for success outside of upcharging for extra guacamole. Dow features down 53 and we are back right after this. From pit lane to podium, the Las Vegas Grand Prix is providing fans a race day experience at the speed they deserve with the help of T-Mobile for Business. Our 5G advanced network solutions are powering race day operations with event-wide connectivity. From streamlined gate entry to an immersive app, giving fans blazing fast access to the sport they love. This is accelerating innovation. This is the Las Vegas Grand Prix with T-Mobile for Business. Take your business further at T-Mobile.com slash now. All right, welcome or welcome back. It is 520 in the morning here on Wednesday. Time now for your big money movers. Three key stock stories of the day. First up is Fortinet. Shares surging double digits on an earnings beat, but a revenue miss. The cybersecurity company saying it does expect earnings for the full year to hit the midpoint of its outlook, whatever that means, with market share gains being driven by the unique semiconductor technology, which helps lower management and ownership costs. That stocks up nicely. Also, Enphase Energy, that stock also rising after topping expectations on both earnings and revenue. It's a battery company reporting a record quarterly revenue over $720 million, a 14% jump from the previous quarter, which was driven by strong demand and new product announcement. Enphase up 10%. By the way, the company also saying it plans to add U.S. manufacturing capacity in the second quarter, thanks in part to strong demand and incentives related to the Inflation Reduction Act. And finally, Chipotle. We just hit it before the break. Sales growth for the restaurant chain stalling in the most recent quarter, due mostly to a potential end to a pandemic boom. Quarterly revenue totaling $2.2 billion, up more than 11% year over year, but marking the third quarter in a row that revenue has been at that level. Still, Chipotle says it expects comparable sales growth in the current quarter to reach the high single digits, a slightly better outlook than some analysts forecast, but it was not enough. That stock down about 5% right now. All right, meantime, let's get a check on some of this morning's other key headlines outside of the world of money and business. For those... Let's go to our friend Philip Menem. He's in New York. Philip, good morning. Hi, Brian. Good morning. 
More than 9,000 people have died in Turkey and Syria after a terrible earthquake rocked the region on Monday. Sadly, that number is expected to climb. Aftershocks and bitter cold are making rescue efforts difficult as crews sift through the rubble for survivors. Countries from around the world, including the U.S., are sending teams to assist. There are new developments in Memphis. An officer has admitted to texting photos of Tyree Nichols the night he was beaten. According to documents newly released by the state, Demetrius Haley admitted to sending a photo of Nichols to at least five people. The video released by the city appears to show Haley taking photos after Nichols was beaten and handcuffed. NBC News' efforts to reach out to Haley were unsuccessful, and his lawyer did not respond to a request for comment from the New York Times. An NBA record that stood for nearly 40 years, finally dethroned by the king. He's got it. Coming to the end of the third quarter, LeBron James, a shot in history. Kareem Abdul-Jabbar was right there in the stands to see LeBron James pass him as the league's all-time leading scorer. James sank the fadeaway at the end of the third quarter against the Thunder. He finished the game with 38 points and currently stands at 38,390 and counting for his career. Not bad, Brian, for a guy whose focus has never been about scoring. It's always a Laker, too. Congratulations to LeBron James. Um, truly amazing. And, he, and to your point, Philip, he's, he's not done yet. There are more points ahead. Amazing. Yep. Sure is. Philip, thank, thank you very you much. Got it. Do appreciate it. Always a Laker. All right. Ahead, bracing for Bob Iger's first earnings report since retaking the top job at Disney. We'll get more on that. But as we head to break, we're also looking at Tesla. CEO Elon Musk offering a sneak preview of the company's upcoming investor day overnight in a tweet, teasing what he calls Tesla's master plan part three, the path to a fully sustainable energy future for Earth. The future is bright, end quote. See you in three weeks, Mr. Musk. We'll see you right after this short break. Maybe better late than never. Buyers popping in late in the day Tuesday to send stocks higher. We'll hit the key headlines that are happening today. President Biden taking on jobs, billionaires, big oil, and social media last night. But were all the claims exactly accurate? We'll dig into what many saw as a campaign speech. And Apple reportedly looking to ramp up its bet on the popular buy now, pay later space. We'll pay about Apple's new moves on this February 8th. As Worldwide Exchange rolls on right now. Oh, welcome and welcome back, everybody. Good morning. It's just about 5.30 here on the East Coast. I'm Brian Sullivan. Let's jump right in. All right, it was a big day for tech on Tuesday. The Nasdaq popping nearly 2%. The Dow also breaking a three-day losing streak. We saw buyers really come in in the last hour or so. As I said earlier in the program, I have no idea why. I don't think it was on Jay Powell. He spoke earlier and markets moved, you know, an hour later Either way, short covering, whatever. Stock futures indicating that we may not see that kind of follow through, at least right now. Dow futures are down, but just a bit. Dow about 38 points. NASDAQ futures down 29 points right now. By the way, oil and natural gas, they also rose on Tuesday. And right now they are ticking up once again last night. We are seeing uh, Brent crude at 84.62, WTI crude at 78. Now, last night, if you missed the speech, the State of the Union, 
president, I guess capitulating is a good word, a little bit on oil, acknowledging that we will need oil for, quote, at least another decade or so. Remember this call. This comes after calling for the phasing out of fossil fuels during his campaign three years ago, now saying, OK, we're going to we're going to need oil for at least a decade, although most estimates have it a lot more than that. Anyway, we'll talk more about that and taxes and more from the speech coming up in just a moment with Jimmy Petakoukas of the AEI. Now back to the markets and your money, because as we pointed out yesterday, it has been a very good year for most stocks so far in 2023. And with yesterday's gains, the S&P 500 is now up 8.5% this year, even excluding dividends. Now, 8.5% is kind of right about the historical average for a gain for a stock market year. So we had to ask, even though it's just early February, has the S&P 500 already made its highs for the year? We did a Twitter poll. Most of you said no. 66.5% of our Twitter poll said no, the highs for the year are not in. The rest, of course, said yes. It was just pick one or the other. Now, to be transparent, we actually ran this poll a couple of days ago, and the market is up since then. So all of you who who said no, were technically correct already. Congratulations. We'll see. Now let's see what happens from here on out. Either way, most of you saying no, the market highs for the year are not yet in. All right, we'll get back to the markets in a moment. Right now, let's get a check on some of your morning's top corporate stories. Pippa Stevens back with those. Pippa. Again, Brian, well, Apple is reportedly expanding internal testing of its upcoming buy now, pay later service to thousands of retail employees. The offering, called Apple Pay Later, has already been met by several technical setbacks since the service was first announced last June. And shares of Manchester United popping in the pre-market. The Daily Mail reporting a group of private, high-net-worth Qatari investors plan to make an offer for the club ahead of this month's deadline. The report says the group is confident their offer will, quote, blow the competition out of the water. That stock up almost 13 percent. And Binance, the world's largest crypto exchange, officially suspending deposits and withdrawals of U.S. dollars via bank accounts starting today. Other methods of buying and selling crypto on the platform, like credit cards, Google Pay or Apple Pay, will remain unaffected. Brian. All right, Pippa Stevens, appreciate it. Thank you very much. All right, now let's get to last night's State of the Union speech. And if you missed it, because we know it was on late, it's early right now, the president hitting on many things including the economy, calling for higher taxes on both the uber-wealthy and stock buybacks. And while that buyback tax would hit all companies, the president specifically last night going after big oil. Inflation is coming down. Here at home, gas prices are down $1.50 from their peak. Food inflation is coming down. Not fast enough, but coming down. Inflation has fallen every month for the last six months. We have to reward work, not just wealth. Pass my proposal for the billionaire minimum tax. No billionaire should be paying a lower tax rate than a school teacher or firefighter. Have you noticed Big Oil just reported its profits, record profits? Last year they made $200 billion in the midst of a global energy crisis. I think it's outrageous. Why? They invested too little of that profit to increase domestic production. Instead, they used the record profits to buy back their own stock. 
rewarding the CEOs and shareholders. All right, for more on last night's speech, let's bring in Jimmy Petakoukas, American Enterprise Institute economic policy analyst, CBC contributor. Jimmy, I, I could literally go a half an hour uh, oh, with you. I wish we had the time. A lot to unpack. The Washington, I'm watching the speech last night, and I'm listening. I'm going, well, that's not, ac- that's not quite accurate. That's directionally correct but misleading. The Washington Post fact-checking a lot of it this morning and kind of going after the president, to be honest, on claims about job creation and everything else. I mean, what was what was your take on the speech last night? Well, uh, I, w- I was uh, put back on my heels a little bit because what he said that we might need oil for more than a decade. I interpreted that yeah, as being, I, well, I'm going to have to hear him complain or some other politician complain about big oil and stock buybacks for more than a decade. So uh, if you're already tired of hearing about that, well, get ready. You're going to hear a lot more about it. Well, and I got to obviously I cover energy. So I look at the numbers. I mean, I, I guess that's a capitulation because, you know, during the campaign, he was calling about, you know, phasing out fossil fuels. Climate was a huge part of sort of the agenda. Now we're talking about drilling for more oil. By the way, the most bearish estimate I've seen is the IEA calling for 77 million barrels a day of oil being used by 2050. So I don't know about this, at least, I guess you get off by saying at least a decade, right? Uh, So that aside, he went after big oil for buybacks. A lot of companies do buybacks. But also, Jimmy, what's your take on the, and I've tweeted about this, playing a little fast and loose with the job numbers. Keeps throwing out this 12 million jobs, but he's taking the number from the pandemic Near the pandemic lows when he took office, if you look at pre-pandemic numbers, it's about three, 2.8 to 3 million jobs since before the pandemic. Yeah, I'm not a big, I'm not a big fan of that, especially listen, when you have, I mean, there's, there's a good news story to tell if you're precisely accurate and conservative with the numbers. Uh, I think most people have, have little idea like how many jobs we typically create in a year, what's a big number, what's a small number. So anything in the millions is going to sound big. Plus, the unemployment rate, you know, at, a, at, a, at the lowest point since 1969, if you just talk about that number and be super accurate, I think you get the message across. So listen, I, I think one big problem in this country is people are, are, are way, way skeptical about politicians and the truth and institutions in general. In general. So I would love to see our leaders really be uh, precisely accurate when they're talking about something, especially something that's very easy to fact check. Yeah, it is. And, you know, again, uh, if you plucked out any data point during the pandemic lows, which is which is what they're doing. And I understand it's electioneering. And by the way, I think if a Republican was in office, he or she would have done the exact same thing. Any politician will take the greatest data point they can. The reality is we've added we've added you know, some more jobs since post-pandemic hit, but not 12. I mean, that's from, you know, we lost 20 million. Most of those are just jobs that sort of were rehired. Let's talk about taxes. And I'm going to quote the Washington Post here, Jimmy. He's talking about, you know, billionaires paying a lower tax rate. And that's a key word. But even the Washington Post says, quote, Biden is comparing apples and orange. oranges. The lower tax rate refers to a study about taxes, not actual Taxes. And I'm not saying billionaires shouldn't pay more. I have no idea. But again, we're getting to a thing where there's a headline which is not exactly backed up 
by the data? Well, I think, unfortunately, this is also part and parcel of the sort of populist era we live in, where it seems like, you know, headline grabbing claims are what's important. We're also seeing sort of the with Democrats in office, sort of their version of populism, which is, you know, going after billionaires. I also I also, you know, counted how many times <laughs> Biden went after things that were big, you know, elites, big oil, big pharma, big online platforms, big corporations. So if you're if so, it's the B word, big and billionaires. Uh, again, uh, if this is the beginning of his presidential campaign, I think we saw a great preview. Uh, they won't just be running against Republicans. He's going to be running against those B yeah. words, billionaires and big companies. Yeah, and also, you know, what caught my ear last night, which I think the other B word, bipartisan, I think got some bipartisan support was when he talked about going after social media. Now, we have we, he mentioned mental health and kids a little bit, not nearly enough. It's a national crisis. Half the country was locked out of schools for more than a year, whatever the numbers may be. So I was glad to hear him at least reference it. But he did mention, Jimmy, social media companies and mental health. That's something both sides might agree on. And I emailed our, our, our awesome Worldwide Exchange team at like, I don't know, 1030 last night and said, man, we should watch Snap and, and Meta. You wonder if, you know, if, if Congress is coming after those companies and TikTok, too. Right. I, th- I think if you're going to create a, uh, a universe and universe is too grand of a word for, for what there could possibly be bipartisan action on, uh, you know, well, I hope I hope the debt ceiling is one of them. I, I, you would have to say something with big tech. And, you know, people are concerned. Uh, it's an issue both sides have raised. And, again, if I was going to put together a, a list of things where there might be some action yeah. in what probably be a fairly actionless Congress, I would put I, I would put something with big tech, something with the online platforms. And I wish Biden also would have mentioned it. The kinds of permitting reforms that would make it easier to build all kinds of clean energy in this country, including nuclear. Yeah, can't get, can't, you know, you can you can build a solar farm, but you can't get the power lines from the solar farm to the houses because of all these permitting issues. There's so much that probably could have been mentioned last night. But, hey, we're CNBCers, right, Jimmy? So we always like we always like the economic focus as well. Oh, uh, Jimmy Petakukas of the AEI. Yeah, I can go another 20 minutes with you, my man, but we don't have time. Thank you. Have a great day. And by the way, folks. Uh, I'm going to post some of those Washington Post fact check claims to my Twitter feed at Sully CNBC. If you are interested, you may not be, but if you are, I will post them there. All right. Meantime, let's talk Disney. Earnings are out tonight. It's going to be the first one since Bob Iger returned as CEO. Disney has been one of the hottest mega cap stocks this year. Shares up nearly 30 percent just this year. And your next guest says the stock can keep going higher. Joining us now to talk about it, Jason Bazinet, Citigroup Media and Entertainment Analyst. Uh, Jason, welcome. What are you most closely watching for tonight? Well, I think this all, it has everything to do with the messaging on the direct-to-consumer losses. That's what the street cares about the most. There's a massive gap between Netflix profits, which were about $6 billion, and Disney streaming losses, which were about $4 billion. So a $10 billion gap. That's what the street wants to close and that's where everyone will be focused tonight. Okay, yeah. And again, we're in the media, Jason, so we love to focus on, you guessed it, 
the media. So we focus so much with Disney on Disney Plus and streaming. But I'm told they may actually have a parks business as well. People actually go to Disneyland and Disney World. Shocking, I know. Um, what are the key metrics from each? And what are the most important areas to focus on? Right. So within the parks, the debate is really around, can the consumer hold up in a period of economic weakness? Will they be able to expand uh, their margins uh, over the next year, which the company indicated is reasonable? Um, of course, the bears are very focused on consumer weakness, you know, the savings rates low, um, and they're bracing for a recession. My view is they're going to be able to power through this. They have a lot of tailwinds over the next year. Um, you know, reopening of China, uh, international guests coming back to the U.S. They actually took some price hikes uh, in the parks. They've got uh, a full year of the fifth cruise ship, the Wish. All those things are going to be tailwinds this year. So in parks, I'm, I'm actually pretty bullish over the next year. Okay. And yes, of course, going back to the media, Jason, I believe you have the highest price target on the street at 145 so you're bullish. And you think they need to adopt a strategy where they combine fully. It is, listen, it is, I'm in the media. I work in TV and I look at my, you know, my Roku or my Apple TV or whatever. And I see all these Peacock, all these different apps. And I realize they've got to combine them in a way. You think Disney should combine with Hulu, be able to raise prices because otherwise the strategy just probably won't be as profitable as it could be. Well, there's a couple things they need to do. Um, you're right. They need to combine, I think, the, the Disney uh, Plus app and the Hulu app. I think they, they don't need to raise prices. I would say that would be the last thing that they should do. What they need to do is cut um, investment in areas like advertising and back office IT and plow more of that money into production. That will get more content flowing over the ecosystem, which will drive engagement, which will drive users, which will allow them to plow more into content. Um, at some future state, they should take price. So um, that's the strategy that they have to pursue. The, the, the tension is, is that the street just has no appetite um, for, for um, putting a real value on this business, and uh, meaning the street's just looking at Disney's um, non-gap earnings. That's it. They're not going to capitalize yeah. the losses and, and sort of say it's a huge negative. But what they're willing to do is just add back the losses in the streaming business, and that's it. And my view is you should you should do some of the parts. You should say there is an enterprise value per sub for every uh, sub Disney has. That's why our price target is much higher. Um, so we're willing to look out a few years. But the street has kept Disney on a pretty tight leash right now in terms of profits and losses. It has. And you saw, yeah, you saw Paramount and Showtime announcing their merger. You wonder about Hulu and Disney Plus. Something's got to give. It's it's a crowded space out there, but Jason Bazinet, a 145 target out tonight. Jason, we appreciate you getting up early. Have a great day. Thank you very yeah, much. Thank you. You bet. Thank you. All right. You're welcome. All right. On deck, folks, it is your morning RBI. And maybe what could be a good lesson on just how fast fortunes can change on Wall Street. Stick around. Time for your morning RBI, and today let's talk about Zoom and maybe a stock lesson. Zoom, of course, the video platform many of you have been probably using for going on three years or more now. We got locked down, Zoom got unlocked, and it became the way to do remote work meetings. And the stock absolutely soared. Zoom kind of went for like a fairly obscure mid-sized company to a red-hot pandemic rocket ship. Zoom shares went from about 60 or 70 bucks 
in late 2019 to a high of $565 on October 18th, 2020, a gain of about 770% in just one year. It's like the entire world thought we were just going to be Zooming forever and no one would ever go back to an office. Remember those days? Kind of impossible to forget. But also don't forget this investing lesson. Markets can turn, and they can turn fast. And what is hot one day can go ice cold the next. Case in point, I want to look at Zoom and talk about something that came up last night, the big oil companies. Now, when Zoom boomed, look at that, zoom in on that. When Zoom boomed, its market cap surged to $161 billion. See that red circle there? Well, that was at the same time that oil crashed along with the oil stocks. In fact, for a brief couple of days, what we've highlighted on that screen, and if you're listening on the radio, we'll tweet it out. Zoom was larger than either Exxon or Chevron. That's right. In October of 2020, for a couple of days, Zoom's market cap was bigger than either one of those two big oils. A lot of, quote, experts said it was the new paradigm. You know, oil's out. Video calls are in forever. The world would never go back to the way it was before. Well, like many experts, did not turn out to be an expert opinion. Since that time, Zoom has crashed. The stock down 85%. Its market cap, even with yesterday's jump, since it's just $24 billion. Well, Chevron's now $333 billion and Exxon at $465 billion, 1,800 times larger than Zoom. Wow, which was bigger not even three years ago. Now, we are not picking on Zoom here. Okay, Peloton's market cap has gone from $45 billion to $5, DocuSign from 60 to 13 It's just that Zoom was probably the biggest pandemic winner, and at one point, Zoom was bigger than the big oil stocks, which, as you might have noticed, have gotten a lot of attention from the White House lately. Point is, amazing how fast things can turn in just a couple of years. Maybe a lesson for the future on trends and hopefully no more pandemics random, and hopefully interesting. All right, as we head to break, during February, we are celebrating Black Heritage. Through some of the stories of our CNBC teammates, contributors, and leaders in business, and here is New Street Advisors and our friend Delano Sapporo. So as a young black kid, the people that I looked up to when it came to, you know, look, focusing on my career path were one for sure, my dad. He's a lawyer um, and he's someone that always drove, uh, worked hard and was passionate about what he did, helping people in immigration law. When it came to finance, I was really intrigued by one of the books that I read, which was by Reginald Lewis and his story and his life uh, when it came to working in corporate America as a black professional. And those are some of the things that drove me, gave me motivation and inspiration to do what I do on a daily basis. All right, there's what to watch for today. But right now, let's get more on the markets and your money with Eric Bailey. He is Steward Partners Global Advisories, Executive Managing Director. Uh, Eric, good to have you back on. Uh, let's talk. What are, what are the Fed? I think is hopefully kind of sort of in the rearview mirror. Uh, earnings are kind of winding down now for this quarter. What are the most important things that you are looking for right now? 
Yeah. Good morning, Brian. It's it's an unusual market. If, as investors, it feels we're getting pulled in a few different directions, right? We're seeing uh, a very strong equity market to start the year. And then we're seeing a bond market that's still telling us um, a recession and a, a weaker economy is coming. So I definitely want to see more economic data. You know, what is it telling us? Um, the Fed, you're right. The Fed has already kind of spoken uh, and kind of given their direction. So I think economic data is very important. Um, and we'll kind of see, you know, see in the next few weeks what we get. Yeah. I mean, if the Fed raises rates another quarter percent or a half percent, do we really care? No, uh, that's baked in. I mean, that's priced in right now. And we're seeing that. So it's interesting how the, the fixed income markets are really, you know, with this steep inversion are really showing a much weaker, uh, uh, you know, much, much weaker economy coming. And then you had those job numbers last Friday and you're seeing the reaction right in the equities. Right. We've had we, we continue to see this uh, this this pretty strong bounce here. That's uh, that's continuing. The trend has not slowed down yet. We we surveyed that that great diaspora known as Twitter. And I asked a very simple question, Eric. I said, is the market made the high for the year? Sixty six percent of respondents said no. We have not made our high for the year. How would you have responded? Maybe you did. Yeah, I would agree. I mean, it feels right now the trend is the the equities want to move higher. Um, but I'm cautious. I, I definitely uh, feel the markets have gotten ahead of their skis at these levels, um, considering where it looks like we're going, right? With the Fed going to 5%, uh, economy slowing, companies are telling us they're more cautious. They're, they're laying off people. They're giving uh, guidance that's, uh, that's certainly showing a weaker uh, economy. So I'm certainly cautious. But right now, you know, what we're seeing in the markets, yeah, I think it does go higher. Any stock or specific investments you like right now? I love, we love getting a little opportunity at, you know, 5.50 in the morning, Eric. Yeah, I mean, I'm more defensive. So the sectors that have not performed well this year, I, I kind of find interesting. Healthcare. You know, big pharma has not done well to start the year. Energy, which did so well last year, has lagged. Uh, and staples. I mean, I'm kind of a more conservative uh, focused on on companies with strong balance sheets, cash flow, dividend paying stocks. Uh, that's where I go right now. And Eric Bailey, we do, we do appreciate it. Kind of finding what is maybe a little bit out of favor and what has been a red hot and probably very surprising start to the year. But Eric, we do appreciate getting up early for us here on Worldwide Exchange. As always, have a great day and we'll talk to you soon. Thank you. All right, folks, as always, we appreciate you getting up early or if you're listening to this later on in the day or I don't know, even know tomorrow on our podcast. We appreciate that as well. Thanks very much. We'll be back here tomorrow with all your news to kick off your day. That's it for us here on Worldwide Exchange. Have a great Wednesday. Squawk Box is next. You've been listening to CNBC's Worldwide Exchange. You can always catch us live weekdays at 5 a.m. Eastern only on CNBC. This podcast is supported by FedEx. Dear small and medium businesses, no one wants happy customers more than you do. So you need a business partner just like you. Like FedEx, who understands your passion for serving your customers because they have the same commitment towards you. 
That's why FedEx offers you picture proof of delivery, packageless and paperless returns, as well as weekend home delivery to 98% of the U.S. on Saturday and 50% on Sunday. See the FedEx service guide for delivery information. What's more, FedEx Ground is faster to more locations than UPS Ground. Trust FedEx for timely deliveries. See what FedEx can do for your business. Absolutely, positively FedEx.